No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible. Welcome back to Simply the Bible, the through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we conclude the song Moses wrote that would be a witness against Israel when they rebelled against God in the future. We hope you'll join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Deuteronomy chapter 32 on Simply the Bible. In the last day or two before God would take Moses home, he told his servant to write a song and teach it to all Israel. Long after Moses was gone, they would remember the song and it would testify to them of God's faithfulness and their unfaithfulness. Yesterday, we looked at God's faithfulness to bring them into the promised land and bless them in every way. Today, we will look at their response. Now, keep in mind, this would all be in the future. But God speaks of those things that haven't happened yet as though they already have. We pick it up in Deuteronomy 32:15. But Jeshurun grew fat and kicked. You grew fat, you grew thick, you are obese. Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. Jeshurun is a pet name for Israel and it means upright ones. But this is ironic because they wouldn't be upright. They would grow fat on the goodness of the Lord and then they would forget about God and forsake him. No longer would they regard the rock of their salvation. Verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods, they did not know. To new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you are unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. Since God viewed Israel as his wife and the covenant as a marriage covenant, then for them to go after other gods was tantamount to adultery. Thus, they would play the harlot by worshiping idols and provoking God to jealousy. Moreover, they would sacrifice to demons. There was a connection between false gods and demons. It is even possible that demonic spirits inhabited these idols. It's also true today that demons are involved in false worship. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy saying, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. You can be sure that whenever people are led astray from the truth of Jesus Christ through false religion and false teaching, that demonic spirits are present and active. The best way to guard ourselves against succumbing to these demonic influences is to be continually mindful of the pure word of God. Verse 19, And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. They have provoked me to jealousy by what is not God. They have moved me to anger by their foolish idols, but I will provoke them to jealousy 
by those who are not a nation. I will move them to anger by a foolish nation. I can think of nothing worse than for God to spurn one of his own. Would God really do that? After King Asa sought the Lord and defeated a million-man Ethiopian army, a prophet came out to him saying, Hear me, Asa, and all Judah and Benjamin. The Lord is with you while you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you forsake him, he will forsake you. Because they would forsake the Lord and worship idols, God would spurn them and hide his face from them. Because they would provoke God to jealousy by playing the harlot, he would provoke them to jealousy with a foolish nation. The Apostle Paul quoted verse 21 in Romans 10.19. Then in Romans 11.11, he said that to provoke the Jews to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Israel made God jealous with their idols. So God would make them jealous in hope that when they saw God blessing the Gentiles, they would come back to him. Verse 22. For a fire is kindled in my anger and shall burn to the lowest hell. It shall consume the earth with her increase and set on fire the foundations of the mountains. I will heap disasters on them. I will spend my arrows on them. They shall be wasted with hunger, devoured by pestilence and bitter destruction. I will also send against them the teeth of beasts with the poison of serpents of the dust. Their sword shall destroy outside. There shall be terror within for the young man and virgin, the nursing child and the man of gray hairs. God's jealousy would become a fiery anger that would burn to the lowest hell. In other words, there would be no place to escape from the wrath of God. He would heap disasters and shoot arrows at them. They would be destroyed by famine, pestilence, wild animals, and war. And in addition to these terrors from without, there would be terrors from within for every man, woman, and child. Verse 26. I would have said, I will dash them in pieces. I will make the memory of them to cease from among men. Had I not feared the wrath of the enemy, lest their adversaries should misunderstand, lest they should say, our hand is high. And it is not the Lord who has done all this. So God's anger would be so fierce that he would have destroyed them from the earth were it not for his concern about their enemies, the Gentile nations, that he would bring against them. These nations would think that they had destroyed Israel and would glory in their own victory rather than understanding that the Lord did this to them because of their disobedience. Verse 28, For they are a nation void of counsel, nor is there any understanding in them. Oh, that they were wise, that they understood this, that they would consider their latter end. How could one chase a thousand and two put ten thousand to flight unless their rock had sold them and the Lord had surrendered them for their rock is not like our rock even our enemies themselves being judges for their vine is of the vine of Sodom and of the fields of Gomorrah their grapes are grapes of gall their th clusters are bitter their wine is the poison of serpents 
and the cruel venom of cobras. God told them that if they would obey him, then one of them would chase a thousand of their enemies. But the opposite would also be true that when they disobeyed him, then they would be chased by their enemies. So how was it that one of their enemies could chase a thousand of them and two enemies chase 10,000? You see, the things in which their enemies trusted could not even compare to the rock in which Israel trusted. So the only explanation was that Israel's rock had sold them into the hands of their enemies. Yet they would refuse to see that all this had come upon them because of their rebellion. Is this not laid up in store with me, sealed up among my treasures? Vengeance is mine and recompense. Their foot shall slip in due time. For the day of their calamity is at hand, and the things to come hasten upon them. For the Lord will judge his people and have compassion on his servants. When he sees that their power is gone, and there is no one remaining, bond or free, he will say, Where are their gods, the rock in which they sought refuge? Who ate the fat of their sacrifices and drank the wine of their drink offering? Let them rise and help you and be your refuge. So after God had used the enemies against Israel to defeat them, then their foot would slip, for they were wicked, and vengeance belongs to God. In fact, according to verse 34, God stores up vengeance for the wicked. Now in verse 35, it says their foot shall slip in due time. This was the text that Jonathan Edwards used when he preached the powerful sermon, Sinners in the Hand of an Angry God, and that ushered in the Great Awakening. As he read the sermon, the conviction of the Holy Spirit was so powerful that people began crawling down the aisle, crying out to God for mercy. He said, You hang by a slender thread with the flames of divine wrath flashing about it and ready every moment to singe it and burn it asunder. Such a powerful sermon showing the precarious position in which the unrepentant sinner continually abides, not realizing that one day his foot will slip and he will plunge into hell. But God would have compassion on his people. The children of Israel, though they were disobedient, were still his children. But he would wait until he saw that their power was gone. And that is often what it takes. I'm surprised when I see how stubborn and stiff-necked some people are. And you wonder, what will it take to finally break them of their pride? God waits for them to hit rock bottom so that they will cry out to him for mercy. Now see that I, even I am he, and there is no God besides me. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. Nor is there any who can deliver from my hand. For I raise my hand to heaven and say, As I live forever, if I wet my glittering sword and my hand takes hold on judgment, I will render vengeance to my enemies and repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood and my sword shall devour flesh with the blood of the slain and the captives from the heads of the leaders of the enemy. Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants and render vengeance to his adversaries. He will provide atonement 
for his land and his people. All the foreign gods were only false gods, for there is no other God besides Yahweh. And he is sovereign in both death and life, injury and healing. We may not understand why all these things happen, but we can rest knowing that God is in control. Finally, God says that he takes an oath that he will visit vengeance on his enemies. Surely the day of the Lord will come when he will punish a Christ-rejecting world. And lastly, in the middle of this, Moses says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. Because of Israel's fall, salvation has come to the Gentiles. But in the end, when the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, then God will provide atonement for his land and his people. He will restore Israel and they will follow him forevermore. So Moses came with Joshua, the son of Nun, and spoke all the words of this song in the hearing of the people. For generations to come, they would sing this song and it would be a constant reminder of God's faithfulness and their unfaithfulness. But in the end, it would give them hope that at last God would save them. You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our iTunes podcast. Next week, we'll see that as Moses comes to the end of his life, he instructs Israel to set their hearts on all the words of this law, for it is their life. We hope you'll join us as we continue through the book of Deuteronomy on Simply the Bible. <laughs>